Good morning. My name is Bob Thomas. I'm one of the pastors here at Stony Brook United Methodist Church. On behalf of our senior pastor, Reverend Mary Jo Yankel, who is on a vacation, actually a staycation for two weeks, and our preacher of the day, the Reverend uh, Jennifer Casey, I greet you this morning as we begin our time for worship. Now today marks the beginning of a four-week preaching series entitled Good Grief. Pastor Jennifer will be leading us on a careful exploration of the story of Jesus raising his friend Lazarus from the dead that will help us to gain some tools to deal with the compounding grief these past months have brought to our nation, to our world, and to our own lives. So I just invite you to take a moment right now, if you have a friend or family member that you think would benefit from these words of hope, use the button on Facebook to share, or just call someone right now so that they can have an opportunity to participate in this service of worship with these important words of hope during these times of grief. I have a couple of announcements for you today. Stony Brook is seeking a part-time broadcast director to oversee and manage the in-house live stream ministry. You can get a job description and more information and application at www.stonybrook.church. Kristen Frederick, our director of children's ministries, has announced daily vacation Bible school dates for June 21 through 25. Mark your calendars and watch for further developments. A complete summary of our 2020 financial statement is on our website, but I just wanted to say a special word of thanks to each of you for your generosity. One item has special note. Because of your contributions, we were able to give a little over $75,000 to 108 individuals to help them through our benevolent fund during this pandemic season. Thank you for your generosity. Listen now as our organist, Deb Chotkavis, plays for us, Blessed Jesus at your word, as we center our hearts for worship this morning.
Will you join me responsively now in the Psalter of the day, Psalm 13, with the sung response. forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I bear pain in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Be still, my soul, the Lord is on your side. Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Lighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemy say, I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord. For the Lord has dealt bountifully with me. Be still, my soul, the Lord is on your If you're watching on Facebook and you'd like to share that, you can simply do that during the prayer time. Um, our staff would be glad to pray with you and pray for you. Uh, ben Lilly is our host this morning. If you're watching on, on YouTube or through the website, simply go to our Connect card and you can register your attendance, but also you can give your prayer request. We would love to be able to be in prayer with you. Will you pause with me now for this time of prayer? In the stillness of this moment, we admit that our souls are heavy, Lord, and your righteousness and grace call us to confess our sins. And so in the familiar words of our faith, we humbly and sincerely pray, 
Merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. By what we have done and what we have left undone, we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your judgment for our sake and the sake of your son, Jesus Christ. Have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, and lead us so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways that lead to glory. God of grace, God of glory, pour out, we pray, your power to help us in these tumultuous times. Power to forgive, power to listen to one another, power to hold one another accountable, power to allow us to be held accountable, and above all else, the power to love. The events of this past week hang heavily on our spirits. Protests that turn violent, resulting in bloodshed in our nation's capital. Interpersonal discord that threatens the very fabric of our society. And the unrelenting march of COVID-19 with the mounting infections and increasing death. How long, O oh Lord? Today we remember some of the wise words of our brother, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. The time is always right to do what is right. In the end, we will remember not the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. We must learn to live together as brothers or perish together as fools. So give us courage, O oh Lord, to do the right thing now. Help us to not only mind our words, but to take responsibility for our silence. And give us the courage to be fools only for Christ, who calls us to selfless love and costly grace. We pray for the health of our nation as we enter into the transition from the presidency of Donald Trump to the presidency of Joseph Biden. May peace prevail and justice be served, we pray. We ask for your healing touch for members of our fellowship who are sick in the hospital, who are suffering at home, who are living in care facilities. Be with all who have COVID-19 and give courage and protection to the many who stand in harm's way to provide medical care and personal comfort to the virus victims. Give to us all a renewed commitment to the simple gestures that offer hope and, and stand as a barrier to the further spread of the virus. Wearing our masks, washing our hands, keeping appropriate social distance. We are so grateful for the development and the deployment of the vaccine. But help us to be patient and vigilant during the rollout of the vaccine process. Today, dear Lord, we ask your Holy Spirit to fall mightily on Pastor Jennifer as she breaks for us the word of life through the proclamation of your word. And help us to see in the poignant story of Lazarus being raised from the dead by Jesus our Lord, that grief can be resolved by human interaction with divine help. We pray these and all of our prayers in the strong name of Jesus Christ our Lord. And following his instruction, we call you Father and pray with one voice. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
does indeed give again and again and again a good reminder as we embark on this journey into discovering the hope we can find through our grief process. Hear now these words from the Gospel according to John chapter 11. I'll be reading verses 1 through 16. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent a message to Jesus, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. Rather, it is for God's glory, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Accordingly, though Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, after having heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now trying to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Those who walk during the day do not stumble, because they see the light of this world. But those who walk at night stumble, because the light is not in them. After saying this, he told them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will be all right. Jesus, however, had not been speaking about his death, but they thought he was referring merely to sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. For your sake, I am glad I was not there so you may believe. But let us go to him. Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go, that we may die with him. The word of God, for us, the people of God, thanks be to God. Let us pray. God, for the gift of this story, we give you thanks for the gift of your grace that you pour out upon us over and over and over again. We give you thanks. Open our hearts and our minds so that we may hear your message for us today. Amen. Grief is a curious thing. As it ebbs and flows over time, the sands smooth some of the jagged places in our hearts, softening and changing us. 
At times, it feels all-consuming. Other times, mildly present. It's complex and conflicted. It shows up in our emotions, our behaviors, and in our bodies. Grief hurts, changes, and moves. Grief is a curious thing. When I was in seminary, I was a part of a specialized learning program where I got to work as a chaplain at a local hospital. Along with a peer group that I was with, we spent half of our time providing pastoral care to an assigned hospital unit, and the other half of our time was spent reflecting on our work and receiving areas, a tra uh, training in areas related to care. A goal of the program was and is to develop more self-aware, empathetic, compassionate, reflective spiritual leaders. I still clearly remember the day that my peers and I were gathered for a training on grief, which was being led by our supervisor. She began the session by saying, it's important for you to do your own grief work regularly. I remember thinking to myself, what in the world does that mean? Doesn't grief just happen? Aren't you sad for a period of time and then you move on? How do you work on grief? I've come to realize over the years that while grief does indeed happen, we also have the opportunity to be intentional about recognizing grief. It is so much more nuanced than simply being sad for a period of time. We have the opportunity to lean into grief rather than away from it. And as we embrace the realities of the grief process, instead of attempting to mask them, we have the chance to embrace the splendor of healing and growth. For the next four weeks, I'd like to invite you to join me as we do some grief work. Each week, we're going to explore a part of the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. Alongside this story, we're going to take a look at the stages of grief as defined by Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. The stages being denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance, and finding meaning. Now, though these stages of grief are going to give the sermon series a clean and structured way to present grief, please know that grief is anything but clean and structured. No grief process is linear. Your process will be different from others. In fact, your process from loss to loss will be different. This is a part of the beauty and the challenge of grief. Doing our own grief work is important, it's scriptural, and it's holistically healthy. Kubler-Ross and her colleague David Kessler posit that many problems in our lives stem from grief unresolved and unhealed. When we do not work through our grief, we lose an opportunity to heal our soul, our psyche, and our heart. Unresolved grief in our lives can lead to pain in our minds, our bodies, and our spirits. A word from me, one of your pastors, as we begin this journey. If at any point you need to talk to a pastor or to receive additional resources, please reach out to me or Pastor Mary Jo or Pastor Bob. We are here for you. We can offer you pastoral care, or we can help you connect with some other form of support, whether it be reading materials, support groups, a Stephen minister, or even helping you find a therapist. There are many valid and helpful ways available to help you cope with your grieving process. So our story today begins with Jesus. Sisters Mary and Martha have sent word to him that their brother Lazarus is ill. The sending of this message to Jesus also carried with it the expectation that Jesus would have dropped what he was doing to go visit the family. 
This wasn't a casual, our brother is a little under the weather. This was an, our brother is ill, he could die. And in addition to the grief of losing his life, we will also lose our security in this community. Our financial and our social security are tied to our brother, Lazarus. In other words, just like every loss in any of our lives, the sister's loss was multi-layered and very complex. Can you feel their desperation in the sending of this message to Jesus? This was serious. They didn't have control over Lazarus's health or how his death would impact and change their lives. But one thing they could do, they could reach out to their Lord summon him, call on him, ask him to come quickly to save him, to save them. There are many words and experiences we can associate this past year in the pandemic. Fear, anger, rage, change, Instability, insecurity, injustice, disappointment, denial, disconnection, desperation, death, loss. And with loss comes the intense emotional response, grief. Grief is a curious thing. We grieve so many things beyond the loss of life. This past year has been marked by a void of celebrations from birthdays to graduations to weddings and funerals. It's been marked by staying home. It's been marked by rapid change. It's been marked by job losses, dissolving of relationships, loss of naivete. There's been an increase in substance abuse, overdoses, physical and emotional abuse, and mental health crises. The United States right now is close to 400,000 deaths related to COVID. And in addition to all of that, we now have extremist groups that are threatening the very safety and security that we take for granted here in the United States. This is especially heartbreaking in a week when we recognize, remember, honor, and celebrate the late Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and the peaceful movement for the civil rights of our brothers and sisters of color. There has been and continues to be much to grieve and it's overwhelming. But the miracle in all of this is that God has designed us to cope with the overwhelmingly painful parts of life and loss. It's incredible and amazing that not only can we function in the midst of pain, but we can also be healed from our pain. Even more incredible and amazing, God uses our healing to help others heal from their pain. This is astounding. Every time I read this story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, I wonder, why did Jesus wait to go see Lazarus? Why the delay? He waited not one day, but two days before setting out on his journey. Did he intentionally put the family through heartache and pain so that he could raise Lazarus from the dead? It's unclear and quite frankly, a little disconcerting. And then after speaking in typical Jesus fashion, complete with metaphors and juxtapositions, he says to his disciples, clearly, plainly, as the scriptural text says for us, Lazarus is dead. For your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe. Is Jesus actually glad he wasn't there? Or, I wonder, could this have been a part of Jesus' reaction to a highly emotional situation? What was his initial internal reaction like? Did he experience an element of denial 
even ever so briefly. Denial as a part of the grief process is often misinterpreted. It's not believing that the loss hasn't happened. Denial as a part of grieving generally presents itself in these ways, numbness, shock, feelings of being paralyzed. And though things like, I can't believe my loved one is gone may be said, it doesn't mean that we actually believe the person is still living. These things are said because anything else is too much for our psyche in the moment. Kubler-Ross and Kessler write that denial and shock help us survive the loss. The world becomes meaningless and overwhelming and life makes no sense. It helps us cope, making survival possible. Denial helps pace our feelings of grief. There is grace in denial. It's nature's way of letting in only that which we can handle in the moment. Is there any chance that Jesus, even the tiniest bit, experienced denial? Did he feel numb, maybe overwhelmed with the news? Was there shock when he initially got the word about Lazarus? If we believe that Jesus is fully human as well as fully divine, this seems reasonable that he would experience the fullness of human emotions. Do you remember back to the beginning of the pandemic? You may have felt numb or frozen or in disbelief. Do you remember your reaction when you learned of a difficult health diagnosis? the death of a loved one or devastating news. I suspect you may have felt like a truck hit you, like you wanted to shut down, perhaps crawl under the covers in your bed and never come out. All of this is normal. It is healthy and it is a part of the grief process. It may last moments, it may last longer. You may cycle back to it more than once or you may not. There isn't any predicting or controlling it. It just is. And everyone's experience is unique and personal, normal. One of the most helpful things that you can do to help you cope through your grief is to talk to someone, a friend, a family member, one of your pastors, a Stephen minister, a support group, or a therapist. God did not design us to be in this world alone. We all are here to support and love one another. If you have thought, even for the briefest of moments, that you wanted to talk to someone, do it. Find someone. This is God's way of intervening and helping you. It is the one, of the one of the ways that you will heal, find meaning, and be able to offer hope to others. It is a part of the cycle of renewal and restoration offered to us by God. Author Charles Lattimore Howard has written a beautifully poetic book uh, uh, titled Pond, River, Ocean, Rain, find peace in the storms of life. Throughout this book of spiritual essays, Howard uses the water metaphors of the pond, river, ocean, and rain to describe God. In one particularly lovely essay, he describes the way God uses our hurting places to not only heal us, but also to offer hope to others. He writes the, these words, I do not go to the pond empty-handed. I always come while holding my cracked jar of clay so that I may dip it into the living water and carry it with me the rest of the day. I come to fill it up, and if I'm being honest, I am sometimes insecure about my broken jar. It is far from perfect, cracked from my falling over and over again. It still holds water, but the cracks promise to leak out whatever comes in. 
what a dangerous misconception that in order to visit love, in order to visit the water, we must have a perfect jar. What a sad mistake that in order to journey with God, we must be perfect. I submerge my jar into the pond water beneath the surface where love dwells. The water flows through the opening in the top and through the cracks on the side. Submerged within the pond, there is a wholeness to my imperfection. Within the pond, nothing escapes through my defects, but rather love comes in through them. My wounds and losses aren't blemishes or cracks. Rather, they are exact spaces where God meets me with a healing and filling with love. Love seeps in through the wounds. And when I pull my jar out and return to the path, my jar is not fixed. And though it remains cracked, I am reminded that it is not broken, or at least not shattered. And these cracks that were once an embarrassment to me are now in the loving service of the pond. You see, as I walk back along the path, water leaks out through the cracks of my jar, watering flowers along the way. Friends, our lives hurt. And this year has magnified those places where we are cracked and have holes. The sheer volume of loss has compounded our pain. Grief is a curious thing. It does not stay in one place. It continues to move, evolve, and grow. Jesus is our living water offering us hope through healing in our grief process. Grief is a curious thing. As it ebbs and flows over time, the sands smooth some of the jagged places in our hearts, softening and changing us. Praise be to God for this gift of grace. Amen. Savior God to thee, how 
shared last week our Christmas offering this year was right around $24,000 which is astounding and how great our God is for providing this resource to us and then for you providing it back to the church so that we can support four different ministry partners who do the work of uh, mental health in their communities um, this, over the course of this sermon series, we will be highlighting each of those ministry partners and sharing with you a little bit about how your financial gifts are offering um, hope and healing through these ministry uh, partners. So take a look today at the work, good work that McCurdy Ministries in New Mexico is doing to offer hope and healing in their community.
thank you, friends, for the ways that you have supported this uh, ministry. As always, you can continue supporting the mission and ministries of Stony Brook Church through your financial offering uh, by giving online through stonybrook.church give or by uh, mailing your gifts into the church office. As we prepare to depart from worship today, spreading the good news about the hope and healing available through Jesus Christ, I invite you to join me in these words of benediction that are familiar to us. May the peace of the Lord Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness, protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. Go in peace, my friends. Amen.